Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Ultra Q. Uh, my name is Red. I am joined by Mel. I should have read a feminist theory for this episode. Uh, and I'm joined by Razen. Hello. I've done even less reading. Uh, I... Neither of you can have done less than me. Um, I have done nothing. On account of the fact so... Uh, for the listener, uh, apologies for the last episode being a little late. Uh, I have had what I am terming the perfect bad week, uh, in the sense that, uh, no one died, uh, I didn't lose my job, but everything else that could go wrong did. Um, so, I, <laughs> I am now, I've fled to an a, a entirely different place where that has internet, so that I can record this podcast, uh, uh, and uh, so that I could upload. You ever tried to download audio tracks using cafe Wi-Fi on your phone because your laptop doesn't like change? Um, it's not fun. Uh, nonetheless, we made it. Uh, I don't have anything to talk about, except I wouldn't have anything to talk about if it wasn't for the fact that From Software <laughs> released a trailer for Armored Core 6. Hell yeah, they did. I didn't watch oh it. man, it's a it's a pretty good trailer. Um, I like the look of that video game. Same. I'm. This is what I'm most excited about this year. Surprising nobody. I watched. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not really a Vati fan, but I watched his video this morning about the about. Uh, the armored core and besides him getting defensive about the cells like stuff which like is very funny um he did also he did point out something that is like my one concern about armored core 6 that i'm like mm, i don't know <laughs> which is uh it looks like in some footage there might be like a much harder lock-on than there has been before um which i like i like the aiming in armored core i like the fact that you have to really wrestle with your mech to put enemies in your line of sight it's going to become um, virtual on now uh yeah maybe I, who knows i think what's happening i do think that the harder lock on is going to be a thing um i'm curious to give it a shot though because what it seems like they're doing is they have added a stagger mechanic and it seems like when you stagger the enemy is when you're supposed to go in for, like, big melee damage. So you're kind mm -hmm. of weaving in and out. Um, I'm curious how that ends up playing moment to moment. Uh, from the look of it at the trailers, I'm liking it a lot. <laughs> I feel like it's mm -hmm. making good on a lot of the promises of the fourth gen of Armored Core that was loose in a very fun way. And very, very, mm -hmm. one of the fastest video games I've ever played. Um, but then you hit a problem where when things got very close range, it was just kind of clunky, and every melee option seemed to be re reduced to a get-the-fuck-out-of-my-face button uh, before you started flying in the sky again and taking pot shots at each other. Um, so I am, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. Um, there definitely seems to be a lot of Sekiro influence in particular because the guy behind that game is the person who's taking charge on this one. Uh, so I should finish that video game at some point. <laughs> I like that video game a lot. Um, 
I like one of my one of my favorite just uh, some you know just some of my favorite uh from software bosses in that game. I had just very fun. Um, uh, but I yeah, I, I, uh, listen, they're pretty good. I like them a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't have, I, like I said, I haven't really done anything else this week. Have mostly been trying to, uh, figure out how to get internet, uh, and, uh, been having issues with trains. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been it's like i i will i will find this week very funny in two weeks time is the type of bad week it's been yeah it's um, okay we understand that you you left your uh your wife and child to go to an alternate dimension and then the train wouldn't let you back on oh yeah 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 i i had to i had to get out the <laughs> I love his realization. It's just no. I should have gone. I should have left. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you're I don't have about that. Else. You should go watch Ultra Q. Yeah. What are you doing here? <laughs> Get out. Speaking of trains. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Uh, this I started, is. Oh no. I started playing the the new cringe ass gotcha by the Genshin Impact people. We'll see how long I about... stick with this one. Tell us about the cringe gotcha from the Genshin people. Uh, honestly, I don't have too much to say, and I don't want to use my platform to spread awareness of this video game, because here's how they get you. Is they're going to get assholes like me, who, like, play these for a little bit, to go like, yeah, it, it seems fun or cool or whatever, uh, and then mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend money on it, and we'll probably drop this in, like, 20 hours' time or whatever. But then, through my recommendations, people that will play it for a long amount of time and will spend money will be dropped to the game. Uh, that that's remember, how this always works. Um, I remember seeing. I remember seeing someone. I don't think. I don't think. I'm not, I'm not gonna name drop anyone. But I remember seeing someone talking about how gacha mechanics are like a oh it's a unique way to pace a game and i was like what the fuck are you talking about uh, i would say a bad way to pace the game because every single time i've tried and stopped playing one of these it's because it's like oh i hit the point where you're just trying to fucking annoy me into yeah. waste either think, wasting more of my time than i'm willing to give you or breaking out the credit card okay bye <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. it's just i I remember just seeing someone just speaking in like in praise of the paywall as like a way to make sure that people don't binge a video game, and I was like, "That's not why that exists. You're an idiot. <laughs> you yeah, shouldn't you could, you be could, talking about this shit." Yeah, you could just I don't know make a game that works. Yeah, uh, uh, my the last year or two of my life have been me, even beyond Gotcha, playing a lot to try to, I guess. I don't know if I want to say understand the appeal, but just find a, like, live service thing that, like, I resonate with. Because I do understand, for, this is what video games is to a lot of people. It is one big game that they continuously go back to, and kind of, it becomes a point of socialization between them and other people. Um, and, like, I've had games like that in my life, but the difference is that they almost always are either more, like, open sandboxes in terms of, like self-improvement or creativity in some way uh 
or they're they're or, or even like strategy games like paradox things like I, I think i've talked on this podcast before i've put way too many hours into crusader kings 2 um and i haven't found one of these like forever game things that i haven't become at least a little bit annoyed by it in some way or has not I I reach a point with all of these games where I'm just like, I, I can't do this and have a full-time job at the same time. I want time to do other things in my life. Uh, and I, I feel like I keep running up against things where I'm just realizing that maybe these perpetually updated games aren't necessarily for me through some quirk or another. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I, I need to get back to streaming Final Fantasy XIV because there are elements of that game I do like a lot, and I know I'm in the quote-unquote bad slog part of it. Um, part of the reason, in my mind, that that game is a bad slog is because I am going through the part of the game that literally cannot be allowed to have friction because they need people to just never get stuck in this video game and perpetually keep playing it. Uh, but that means for people like me that want to get engaged with the combat system or, like, think about what I'm doing in battles, uh, I'm just getting a lot of long hallway corridor fights where I'm just going through and hitting all of the big damage buttons, uh, and am not required to engage with any form of pushback whatsoever on the game's part. And the few times where I do... I just die immediately, respawn, and then just do it again right the second time, and it's not very rewarding. Uh, and I am desperately hoping I get to a point in that game where I have to use a single brain cell. Yeah, um, I mean, I'd say I'm also not really much of a live service game person. And I also have similarly bounced off of gacha games and FF14, at least for Realm Reborn, which I haven't gotten further than that. Uh, I, I think the thing that like makes it different for me from a lot of the people i know who like really fall in love with these is just like after a while the repetition starts to become annoying because i just it starts to feel like a treadmill for me where it's like you are this is like an engagement farming thing where, where you just want me to spend as much time as possible doing this and i i feel like i start to get jaded very easily uh, and start to get diminishing returns out of doing the repetition of it all <laughs> yeah i mean there's like there is like gotcha games i'm like interested in to be honest partly because of like aesthetics and stuff like i had an interest in like checking out arc knights because of the drip everyone has uh to be honest uh <laughs> i mean those those girls are dressed fine uh and then also like honkai third it was like oh this is a neat looking action game that I've, i don't know also seems to be gay and has a cool plot so i'm like interested in that as well which made me also curious enough about like star rail which I, I feel like we didn't actually talk about, to be honest. <laughs> no, I and I need to warp back around. I need to loop back around uh, to that. So I'm actually a bit point. curious to hear what you say, because I might be, maybe try it out. Maybe. So curious, it's, so, but like also, so as, know, don't get, we're anti-gambling here. Yeah. So, so it's a, so it's a, it's a, it's a turn, it's a turn-based RPG. Yes. Um, oh. And I will give them credit. I have tried many other turn-based, sorry, not many. I've tried a couple other turn-based RPG gotchas. Um, the only one that really stuck with me as like, oh, I, well, okay, here's a history, a brief history of my gacha experience. Uh, I tried the Yoko Taro one with the fucked up goth girls. I don't even remember its name. Sino Alice, was it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the game that made me convinced, oh, okay, sometimes Yoko Taro can phone it in too. Uh, that game's story was terrible. Uh, 
I tried Grand Blue because everyone described it as like, okay, this is like kind of like a pocket Final Fantasy. Um, I thought it was very boring and stripped down to like the the basics of RPGs to the point that I just I didn't think it was fun. Um, character designs look cool and stuff, I guess. Like maybe I'll play that like big action RPG when it comes out. I like that fighting game affair enough bit, but the actual gotcha game thought it was boring. Um. World Flipper is a pinball thing, so that's kind of different. That was probably the one I stuck with the most. Uh, and that's just because, you know, on my lunch break, I'm like, oh, hey, five minutes of pinball. Uh, and I never hit a point with that where it was, like, annoying about grinding or, like, spending cash. Uh, unless you want to, like, really do the optional raid multiplayer boss stuff, which I don't give a shit about. I'm just there to, like, have something to do with my hands and watch the ball fly around and kill enemies. Um... So at least, like, with that one, the gross stuff is kind of more off to the side for the sickos to engage with. Uh, what else did I play? Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Visions I actually thought was alright as a Final Fantasy Tactics-like, and seems to, from my experience, have the best story out of any of the ones I tried. Uh, and then there was a Romancing Saga one that I'm surprised is still alive, because there's me and 12 other people that care about Saga in that way. <laughs> it is funny uh, that I, that I don't exists. know how it's running. Maybe Kwazu just has that much pull. Cause he can he might. Keep, he can somehow just keep Saga alive because he wants it to. <laughs> and I respect him for that. I love Kawazu. Uh, uh, just him Saga. just him, and like eight zombies. One day, yeah. one day I will do the Saga dive. But anyway, back to the actual Yeah. Game. So the, the romancing Saga gotcha, I was like, okay, I can respect them for trying to do the weirdo like saga character progression and and gimmicky like battle system stuff in like this framework but i still found it kind of boring and part of the reason i like saga is often the worlds are laid out really weird and the the stories are non-linear in a way that are kind of fascinating to watch play out um every playthrough mm -hmm. and without all that stuff also keeping me afloat i just lost interest in that one what i will give star rail credit for is you immediately get thrown into a battle system that you have to actively watch out for enemy weaknesses, honestly, in a way that feels slightly Megaten adjacent, uh, and you, you immediately get characters that can chain off of other characters' attacks. You have a Final Fantasy X-style, like, initiative stack for the turn order. Hello. Um, and they introduce a thing that I, I actually found pretty cool, which was your characters have limit breaks or overdrives, like Final Fantasy style, but you can activate them any time in the turn order. So you might get attacked in the middle of a bunch of enemies' turns, and then that fills up your limit break, and then you can use that kind of as like a get-out-of-jail-free card to kill some of the enemies that are going to go next. Um, and, like, the one thing that made me kind of shocked by this game is that they finally did the thing that none of these live service games across, like, genre have done that I've been baffled by, which is the beginning actually has gameplay that makes you think and requires you to be engaged and isn't just something that you hit buttons by, uh, which shocked me. Like, even during the tutorial part of the stage, uh, I started to not pay attention and just go, oh, yeah, it's a random encounter. Uh, and then, like, I wiped, and I went, oh, shit. This never happens in any of these games. They never require you to actually engage with the mechanics. 
Um, I don't like this because this me this me this means they're doing this means they are doing megaton. This means this is fucking the uh this is just uh, this is all very bleak. I this is all like very it is. like <laughs> yeah. They're making this a is the worst, game, but it's gambling. You can't just. This is the worst. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My my major impression from what I've played, I'm not even to. I don't even know what because all of these games have a fucking daily thing you're supposed to do. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like how long I stick with this one will probably be related to what that is because part of the reasons I jumped off of Genshin was one, I realized, oh wow, you just. You did the Breath of the Wild exploration stuff I like a lot, but you made it the most sick Ubisoft-style, like, content farm imaginable, and I kind of hate it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, okay, three things. Two, the story was just fucking awful. Uh, (laughs) And and it was like, oh, hey, we have to go stop this guy. We have to go to three different shrines, and I'm like, I I don't fucking care anymore. Stop this fetch quest nonsense. Um... And then third, uh, they would have you do, like, four daily quests, and I started to get to a point where I would get longer ones, and I would just go, oh, I don't want to do this. And I just hit a point where I'm like, I'm not having fun, I'm done. Uh, But yeah, like, I'm shocked because one of my main criticisms of many of these games I've tried, even the ones that people, like, like a lot or have a a bit of critical acclaim, is, like, why, why can't you just make it fun at the start? Why do I need to, like... Why does the game need to start to become engaging or, like, actively make me think about mechanics only 30-plus hours in? Uh, How come I can't get to customization and and character build decisions that don't feel like they matter until, like, deep in? Uh, I I, I don't need this frictionless, like, onboard. And it seems like Star Rail is finally that. Uh, and yeah, I feel weird about it because it's like, oh no, they're actually making like things that are fun that have, and you know, I'm, I'm, they do the thing where they give you a bunch of free shit for being yeah, like yeah, yeah. an early player. And I, I've done the, the polls and it's like, oh, I got a cool girl with funnels. Uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So here's the <laughs> other thing I'm playing. Okay. I am playing all these from what I feel is a very unique perspective for people that aren't familiar with me. Uh, I'm demisexual, and I do not, I do not get attracted to fictional characters easily. Like I can count on one hand the amount of characters where I've like, like two D illustrated characters where I like, oh huh. Um, from talking with many other people who play these games, this this is a major factor <laughs> that is maybe a reason why I do not feel the gotcha appeal. Um. When I pull a character and I go, oh, they look kind of sick or whatever, that high wears off very fast for me. Um, whereas other people, they're like, oh, I've, I've been waiting months to get this character that I like a lot. Um, like, that I, just isn't a hook for me. It, so. the, like, I, I, re- I realize that the reason uh, is that they, you know, the game has its claws in those people. Uh, also, also true is... Uh, you can look up JPEGs online. It's fine. No, I have that too. I I don't... Like, having them in the app, I don't feel any difference between looking at them on Google Images. And the other thing too, is I... You can... For 90% of the characters I run into in these games, even the ones that I, I find like kind of cool, personality or design-wise or whatever, they feel so factory-made to be likable. Mm-hmm in a way that 
I don't know. I, I guess also, too, part of this is the idea that I, I don't have the brain for this that I feel like a lot of people do, where they enjoy the fluff of these individual characters and personalities, um, and these little, I guess, um, what you would call shadow boxes of stories or, or little character interaction cutscene moments that a lot of these games have. But, like, I don't care about characters outside of, like, a more... I guess, structured narrative. And that's what falls by the wayside of many of these games because, like, the overall plot doesn't matter so much. That's just kind of an excuse to have the characters interact. Um, whereas I I like stories when they end, IMO. Um, I, mm -hmm. I find it harder to get interested in a character if I know that their story is never going to have a, a thematic closure or end and the room for them to actually grow and change is stifled by the fact that they need to continuously be an evolving thing that I guess people use as a billboard to get money. Um, I, so I, I have the necessary brain to, to be into gacha is the thing. I know, I know, I know this about me. I, so I'm just, I'm just like, ah, I, I can't, I can't, I can't be touching that shit. I am the person who retweets the art of the gacha girls, even though I don't play the games. <laughs> i mean yeah, this like, is yeah it, it is funny because i have i have tried and bounced off of many of these games at this point and the the conversations i i constantly have with the the people in my life that are into this stuff is they're like yeah you, what you want out of these games is better served elsewhere in more closed and like traditional narratives uh if 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 i mean it's if I know if I know cover the Hololive Gacha game is eventually happening, that's gonna be pain. See, for me, the the Forgrepper games would be better if they just rebooted it every year and it was a different cast, even though it was the same thing. Uh, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. Th this is a joke about Common Rider and Sentai and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. I think everything I've heard about the 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 space rail, the space train game, I'm like, damn, that's that sounds all right. Shit. Sounds yeah, sucks. Yeah, but, um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, seems like curse game because it's a gotcha game, but also I might check it out just because it seems like. Uh, I'll be honest, I am weak to the aesthetics. Uh, I did like the screenshots of. The protagonist, and also that there is a girl named March Seventh. <laughs> Did we lose Rosen? Uh, sorry about that, everyone. Technical difficulties. Uh, where was I again? <laughs> uh, we had just said that uh, uh, Hawkeye, whatever, whatever it is, space rail game. Uh, sounds good, which is bleak. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, that was that was the that was the my takeaway from this, which was at least from the little bit I played. I am curious how long, because inevitably this game will annoy me into trying to spend money, and I'll just drop off. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but but I, my my I, major I'll... takeaway from this was, oh no, this is the first one of these that seems to be appealing, like or care enough about RPG game design and combat in a way that I want my rpgs to think about um which yeah is yeah. bleak <laughs> i to be honest I'll i might give this a shot uh because 
why not? As long as I don't pay money, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to try the other Honkai game anyway, so. But also, you know, don't spend money, people. This is your PSA that we're giving you three times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, I yeah. felt weird even talking about it here because it's like 20 million fucking people downloaded this and it's like, I'm using what little yeah. ass platform I have to even talk about this, but also it's like, this is a massive cultural fucking game moment thing, I guess. I mean, sometimes, uh, I think... <laughs> sometimes you bring niche things and sometimes you bring the most popular thing around. Yeah. It just happens. Uh, I, think, I think the most, I think I'm going to, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to continue to avoid. I think the most I'm going to engage with any of this is there was a Honkai Impact uh, Radiant Force AMV, which is the, the track from third season of Simple Gear, and it bangs. Um, that's it. I it does not surprise me that there is a significant overlap between the Honkai Third and the Simple Gear fandom. Yeah, Simple Gear. That's that's good anime. It is good anime. Anyway, yeah. Mal, what have oh, you did, been doing? I did Rise of Oh, un- unless <laughs> I just I just want to double check. Uh, the only other thing is that I uh, I um this is not going to take long, but uh, my my custom stick art finally came. Uh, I am now maybe the only person in the world with a Baroque uh, anniversary wallpaper published by Sting as custom stick art. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm happy with how it turned out. And uh, it turns out opening up your devices and uh, replacing the buttons and, and all that fun stuff isn't uh, isn't all that bad. Uh, all you need is nice. a screwdriver and a dream. I love Sick. dreams. The first opening to Gundam X. <laughs> I don't know. Why I, was, I don't know why I said that. I'm more of a resolution person. As... I don't we know if all, I can choose can all, between the two. We can all have opinions, even if those opinions are wrong. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that that was mean for no reason. Resolution is also good. Uh no, I th- I think I said something literally similar to that one time. I, th- I think you know what I think I, I have to I, give I, it to resolution, considering I had it set as my Mbon main menu theme for like. I sick. think it's still set as that actually. <laughs> I just, I just a good main I mean, menu. You set your theme. Mm-hmm. You can. Yeah, you can. Ooh. You can set all of the different menu themes to uh, whatever song you want. Oh, that's so cool. You can also, if I recall, you can use a USB to, like, add additional tracks. Yeah, because, of course, at Bandai's Yo. not here, like, we can't give you all the Gundam songs. Well, we know yeah. you want them. Yeah. Oh, damn. Man. Gotta put, gotta put um, the SD Gundam Force ED. Uh, one of the most funs <laughs> I ever... One of the most fun, fun times I ever had streaming Discord game with friends was... Uh, playing SD Gundam Crossrays and then making all of my friends as characters uh, in the custom character creator and uh, having them send me MP3s for what they wanted their combat music to be, uh, which is how we got great stuff like my friend Julian rolling up in a tank while Cruising USA is playing. Uh, nice. Good, good times. Nice. Anyways, that's it for my end of things. Mel. Hello. What you been up to? Uh, so last week I said that I didn't do shit because assignments and stuff. Thankfully that's done, so I could do shit. Uh, and so I was like, hey, I have free time. I can start picking away at those uh, shows I've talked about in the past that I haven't finished. You know, trying to make some progress. Uh, didn't happen. 
Uh, instead, I uh, somehow binged an entire Toku Thor show in three days. Hey, which one? Uh, let me tell you about Mirai Sentai Time Ranger. Okay. Mirai uh, Sentai Time Ranger. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to send the picture in the chat? Uh, sure. The guys? I want to see. Yeah, I want to see the guys. Do they time travel? Well, that is part of the plot. Uh, I actually don't know. Uh, so, to be specific, so, this is... were these guys a Power Rangers that I may have seen when I was a kid? Yes. Okay. Because the there was a... Yes, I did see a couple of episodes of this. Oh, this is the Time Force. I've, I've heard of the word Time Force. I feel like I've seen that on Power Rangers merch before. Yeah. Okay, uh... So this is they got they got red and alt red. Yes, this the sixth ranger in this one is also a red. They got Shadow uh, the Hedgehog. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. Uh, in Time Force, played by Virgil. <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, but yeah, um, this is the twenty fourth Sentai season from the year two thousand. Uh, you can probably imagine why they picked the theme. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, it is the second, I think, I believe it's the second main show with, uh, the writer Yasuko Kobayashi as the writer. Uh, she would go on to write a few, uh, other shows, seasons in other franchises, like, uh, Kamen Rider Ryuki, Kamen Rider Deno, Kamen Rider Oz, Samurai Sentai Shinkenger. <laughs> uh, uh, I others. think... From what I've heard, some of these shows are pretty good. From yeah. what I've heard, yeah. Uh, would, it, would you be surprised to know this show was also good? Uh, nice. Uh, all right. So it is the year three thousand, and time travel is varying degrees of illegal. Uh, how? Yo, we damn. However, we can't allow uh, people to go fuck shit up. We have to preserve the timeline, and so the organization called the Time Rangers is the Time Cops, meant to keep. Keep, time uh, cops time, time stable uh things go wrong in the first episode when uh let me just look up when the leader of the of a mafia gang called the launders family uh is being sent away uh, by the way uh criminals in this era are uh cryo compressed frozen where they are shrunk down to uh, action figure size and then put in little capsules where they serve uh, multi-century long ten senses. Don't think about it too hard. They get one-eighth project, but with time <laughs> on top of it. See, it's <laughs> funny. Shit. It's funny because I was thinking of the Boltons. <laughs> uh, they get... So, uh, is... the head nice. of the head of the Launders family, Del Nero, is uh, about to be sent away for, you know, probably like a billion years or whatever. Uh, but due to some shenanigans, uh, he manages to orchestrate an escape with himself, a few members of his gang, and an entire, like, uh, cabinet full of, uh, I don't know, maybe about uh, 50 monsters of the week worth of criminals. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> uh, into the year 2000. Uh, and then the the captain of the team, Captain Aria, uh, gets a bunch, of, gets uh, f- four rookies uh, to go with him, except... Uh, the captain is not actually the captain. It's one of the Londres guys in disguise. Uh, and the one of the rookies is actually an undercutter cop. But anyway, they land in the past. And now they're like four people from the future. And like, well, shit, what are we going to do? Uh, and they happen to stumble across uh, some random guy out for a run. Uh, 
Tatsuya Asami, who is just sorry, weird coincidence. He looks like Captain Rhea. I wonder if that's important. Anyway, don't worry about it. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, they need like apparently to activate the Time Ranger Chrono Changers. Uh, they need to uh, five guys. Uh, so they just go like, well, I guess we got to use this one guy. Um, uh, and so they transform into the Time Rangers, and uh, they're like, well, we're stuck in the year two thousand. Uh, what are we gonna do? Uh, Horrifying. Yeah. Uh, and the situation is just like, uh, so they're all from the future, and they're all time cops, and like, well, we're stuck. What can we do? Uh, the, we can't do anything about our fate. And Tatsuya's like, no. Uh, as someone from the year two thousand, where time travel isn't real, I believe you can change your future, uh, if you want. <laughs> uh, uh, and he Tatsuya is like, he comes from a really big family like rich like his a zaibatsu family called the asami family uh he's like trying to escape his fate as the uh uh checks notes uh heir to the, <laughs> the zaibatsu <laughs> and he's like oh i'm gonna start my own uh odd jobs business and escape my family's shadow whatever uh and so they basically set up an odd job shop where they do odd jobs uh and then also do time crimes to stop the criminal gangs who fight and everyone's got their weird quirks, like uh, Domon is the Yellow Ranger. He's like a guy who's hits on women uh, and also is a former wrestler guy. And he has like a particular time homesickness for the future. Uh, Shion is the Green Ranger. Uh, and he's like from another planet called Hubbard. He's the last of his kind. Uh, and the people from the future are very quick to tell you, no, you can't call people space aliens. That's politically incorrect. Um... There's uh, the Blue Ranger ISA, and he's like, uh, he's a former racer, uh, except he has, oh no, uh, made up anime degrees, disease, oh no, uh, which means his days are numbered. Can't can race he anymore. Can he change his future when he is uh, dying from an incurable disease, question mark, themes? Damn. Uh, and then finally, you have like Yuri, who's like, the under who she was the detective undercop, and so she's kind of like the leader of the team. Um uh, and her thing is like she, her dad was a detective who got like, you know, her entire family was killed in a hit job by the launders. And so she wants like her revenge and stuff. And she's a super cop, but she's also very cool. Uh, and they just do, they bond, they go together. They try and like, we can shape our own path kind of thing. Uh, and then the show gets a shake up like halfway through when like uh, the entire time, Asami's dad is like, hey, this shit with this weird future, well, not future, they still know the time travel up. This weird shit with this weird alien gang of like mobsters is fucking shit up. Uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna create my own private military company to deal with this. Uh, mm. uh, and one member of the private military company is uh, Tatsuya's um, old friend and rival, Naoto. Who, unlike As- Asami, uh, unlike Tatsuya, who's like, I am a rich kid who's trying to escape from the shadow of my rich family, uh, be my own self-paying person. Naoto's like, oh, shut up! You're like a, I'm a poor person who has nothing, and you're like a rich person who has everything. Shut the fuck up, you cunt! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, through various circumstances, which include like a robot dinosaur rampaging through Tokyo, uh, Naoto becomes Time Fire, the uh, sixth ranger of the show, uh, who's kind of like a rival, and his whole thing is like. He's like I. He hates the system where he is like a person with nothing because of his birth, uh, but he's also absolutely going to use the system to try and climb the ranks as much as possible. 
uh who can say if that end, how that goes for him uh <laughs> shin nagami tensei <laughs> uh, uh and yeah so he becomes time fire which is the second red guy uh time fire yeah yeah it's really cool uh he is like a dinosaur gun uh oh same cool... yeah uh and it's just cool stuff going on the show i'm not gonna like spoil the end of the show but like the thing is do escalate to the point where it's like, oh, hey, why is someone from the future helping us? What's up with uh, the captain? What's up with all the weird time warp shit? Oh, no. Uh, and it does end in like kind of a bittersweet way, which is pretty compelling, I think. I'm not sure how I feel about where things end in the final climax. I'm like, what does this say about the moral or themes of the show? But also, I don't know. I think it was still a really strong, really good show good enough for me to like binge in like three days anyway uh yeah damn uh yeah i I would say i don't want to like spoil the show too much but yeah it's cool just all the different shit that's happening um they're they're so they do use swords that are shaped like clock hands and that's very cool yo okay that's cool that's yeah um they got they got yeah this is like kingdom hearts level of stupid yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh the weapon theming that's yeah, amazing yeah uh i show you like the maybe i shouldn't like link the op and have you react to it on camera because that's like probably take up too much time of the episode but like okay this whatever i'll just link it anyway <laughs> <laughs> whatever fuck it <laughs> cut if we need to uh it's just like it's such a bizarre wild I'll trip just kind of skim through it and yeah have a quick look yeah um here let's see uh i will note that the show aired at the same time as comrade kuga which means that being a kid in that particular time would have been a fucking wild oh, Damn, in a, new time a lot of psychedelic colors in this op- yes. opening skimming through <laughs> uh there are choices being made. Uh, yeah. Oh, I see the swords. This is amazing. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. Uh, I feel like I like this maybe a bit more than the other Kobayashi Sentai show I watched, which is Shin Kenjir. And Shin Kenjir is really good. Uh, I'm nice. actually not sure. Uh I, she has a couple other Sentai shows that I need to see still. Uh, her first mm-hmm. show is Ginga Man, which uh, came out in like '98. Uh, but the two are more. I, the two others by her that I'm more interested in are like Go Busters, which is like a spy cyber themed one, mm-hmm. uh, where for every reason the transformation say it's morphin time. Oh, nice! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, and then, like, uh, a couple years after that, she did Tokyo, which is the train one. Train theming today. Yeah. Uh, also, um, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking with this eye catch. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. This looks like a shit post. <laughs> it does. I was, I was like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Uh, Man. This, this I think being, 
being the the kind of person I am, I think uh my the, my first show that I'll probably encounter from this writer is probably Kamen Rider Ryuki. Yeah, I... <laughs> that was that was my first show by her too. Oh no, no, that's a lie. I watched those first, and then I watched Ryuki. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Deno. Uh, those are all quite different shows, I'd say. Uh, but also, there's definitely like. I kind of get a sense of her style, and uh, there were thing parts in like the end game of the show where I was like, "Oh, you do that again in Shinkenji?" Or, "Oh, this epilogue sequence in the credits for the final episode is just so you do the same thing in Ryuki." Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, re- this show does predate both Ryuki and like Shinkenji because, like, you know, Ryuki's two thousand two, this is two thousand, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, it is funny when you like get, get a writer who's done a bunch of shows, and you're like, "Oh, I see." You like doing this specific thing in every single one of your stories. Yeah. Uh, like in with Inoue and how literally nobody communicates anything. Don Brothers. Don Brothers. It is so funny how long they managed to drag out the... These guys don't know these particular characters identities in Drawn Brothers. It's so funny. Fantastic. I... I got the... It just makes me. It just makes me think of the Hayata just managing to not reveal his identity yeah, at the end of every episode. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, maybe, maybe that's why I don't mind it as much. Uh, maybe I'm just too in a way brained that I'm just like actually uh, the fact they don't talk to each other is funny and good actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like. Was it Ide or Arashi starting to suspect though? Ide. Uh, Ide. Does he know? <laughs> does, he know? does he know? <laughs> but yeah. Um, I did say that, like, this year I wanted to try and tackle Sentai, and this was the one I was in the middle of, that, like, I finally did the push to finish. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's good. I can, I'm can. i on I am on the path to maybe doing more Sentai. I'm going to try and, like, do more of it this year, I think. Hopefully. Um, nice. Uh, and to that end, uh, as this show has taught us, uh, in my opinion, uh, I can change my fate. I can decide my own future uh but so can you two uh oh so i have made like a, myself a spreadsheet of different sentai seasons i want to watch and i have organized oh my god i've organized them into buckets uh based on a certain criteria that i will not talk about uh so there are four buckets and from these buckets i am doing dra- i have drawn four letters uh and you can each pick one and i will use that to decide a show i'm gonna watch <laughs> Okay, so what are the what are the letters? Uh, B, G, H, and J. Uh, I I pick B. Okay. I feel like I'm in an Uchi Koshi game all of a sudden. I'm really nervous. Uh, <laughs> I pick. What are you gonna pick? I pick J. Okay. Ah, uh, uh, B J. Yes. Yep, there's a running theme on this in this podcast. Okay. Uh, now, maybe. now for now for reasons that are less obvious than it might seem, that was my nickname for a few years. J. No, BJ. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, I will not pursue it was, this line it was, of thought. It was for completely normal reasons, but okay. it did need to be explained okay. <laughs> every <Okay>. time. <laughs> okay. Well, I have taken in your inputs, uh, and I'll come back to you with the results later. Okay, cool. 
it's like oh, i can't wait uh this is this this is how i'm bringing the sentai segue to this podcast <laughs> i see i see the sentai segue is real um all right well that is, that unless we got. have yeah unless we have anything else we can talk about ultraman um th- this week we got uh three more episodes of ultraman uh one of them i think is really good uh one of them's kind of eh, whatever and the third one is uh i don't i don't have thoughts about it yet i will come up with them as i read the summary <laughs> i will say one of these episodes i really didn't care for but uh it also did have uh some of the two best minutes of anything i've ever seen in my life uh okay so we'll get to- <laughs> uh i liked all three of these episodes a lot but that may also be <laughs> Related to how I watched these episodes, which we will get into after your recap of the second episode. I see. I see. Okay. okay. Uh... <laughs> um, let me tell you about episode 13, Oil SOS. Uh, in Iran, uh, a number of oil tankers have been mysteriously attacked. At night, in Tokyo Bay, a strange flashing underwater light passes by a drunk man. He tells the irritable driver of an oil truck about the light, and he's brushed off. Uh, But moments later, the truck explodes, attacked by the underwater light. It emerges and reveals itself to be another two-person suit. (laughs) This kaiju's design is sick. It's basically two people holding hands, and where they hold hands, there's a kaiju's head. I love it. Um, The squad is called in to investigate, uh, but they can't find anything. Uh, the man who saw the monster, now sober, insists he wasn't imagining things. Uh, Ide and Arashi spot a flashing underwater light from the VTOL, a light that is rapidly approaching an oil tanker. It explodes as it is attacked by the kaiju. Uh, the squad has its work cut out for itself. Um, in the wake of the attack, Iwamoto, uh, who is the, the scientist from last week, he's been around, though, in episodes beforehand. I Now that I have his name, I'm just going to start calling him by his name because he's, he's sticking around, clearly. Uh, he's a scientist attached to the SSSP, a bit like Ichinotani was to the gang. Um, okay, I, ca- I kept recognizing his face, and I did not, I don't think I realized until just now you explaining that's supposed to be the same guy because I was like, damn, they're using this actor a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's the same guy. Um, Iwamoto says the monster must eat oil, uh, much like certain microbes. Uh, he basically remarks, it is unsurprising in this age of oil that an oil-themed monster would emerge, which I found really funny. Uh, that's just how science works, don't you know? Yeah. The, yeah. All, all of these people uh, are, are just a disciple of Ichinotani. It's like all yes. those smartphone monsters out there. You gotta be careful, kids. Uh, gotcha, as they oh, call God. them. <laughs> Oh, there's, there's gonna be there's gonna be smart smartphone kaiju eventually. Anyway, anyway, um, it's cause you'd be looking at that phone. Um, uh, where was uh yeah m- uh Muramatsu de- determines the kaiju's next target uh, must be a nearby oil refinery. We get to see the refinery and it's all model baby shit is about to go down. <laughs> Fuji brings in a sketch of the monster and the squad notices the sacks on its body that seem to be full and they realize it must be full of oil. Um, Attacking this monster in Tokyo Bay is too risky, so they drop barrels of crude oil into the sea outside the bay to lure the kaiju in and Ide will blast it with missiles from the VTOL. Uh, The monster takes the bait and guzzles barrels of oil. Uh, Muramatsu gives the signal and Ide launches the missiles, but the monster is too quick and slips away toward the bay. 
Uh, it briefly appears again, and Ide attacks without thinking. Uh, the creature is struck within Tokyo Bay and crawls onto land and goes berserk at the oil refinery. Uh, this shit is wild. The destruction of this refinery as the monster starts shooting fire breath and burning the whole place down is uh, amazing stuff. Oh yeah, it's great. It looks incredible. Um, the squad are held responsible by the company uh, that owns the refinery and Ide rushes out to fight fires on his own, I feeling just... like a bit of a failure. Uh, yeah. I just want to say that they are ta- in this scene. They also talk about how the science fire truck won't get here in time because I guess a normal fire truck won't get won't cut it. <laughs> no, you yeah. need the science they fire need truck. The science fire truck. Um, Ide rushes out to fight fires on his own, feeling like a bit of a failure. Uh, the squad variously fight fires and try to find Ide until Hayata finally decides, "Fuck it," going Ultraman mode and transforms. The kaiju that started all of this has been cowering on the ground due to the fire. Uh, but takes a sec to quickly shoot Ultraman in the back. Uh, Ultraman turns and shoots his spacing beam, killing the monster. No fight this episode. All the money went on the burning refinery. Um, Then Ultraman reveals a new trick. He shoots water from his fingers to quench the fires and save the day. Uh, uh, no, it's, nope, that's the, the beta capsule goop, actually. Yeah, I... I, <laughs> I I I had a I had a joke in the summary about the the shot from episode one that I erased from the summary. Uh, don't, d- don't worry, I'm just putting it on the record now. Anytime we talk about beta capsule goop, it's also going to be a joke about that shot from episode one. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Good to know. Um, <laughs> Ide, who had fallen unconscious during his battle with the flames, comes around for just long enough to say he should quit, and Muramatsu to assure him he's a valuable member of the team. Uh, the end. Uh, the the deep thinking and critical uh, version of Razen watching these three episodes. This is his favorite one of the bunch. <laughs> it's uh. It implies yeah, that it's there's a different the, favorite the, under the, different criteria. Oh man, I can't wait for the uh, for the, for the other criteria. Uh, <laughs> but also, yeah, th- I think this is my favorite episode of the bunch too. It's just a really good episode. It was nice seeing like, and eat a character episode in a way uh and also mm-hmm. uh the refinery blown up is really sick uh the, the yeah. effects look great i'm happy like honestly i am a little i have one complaint for this episode and it's not even that big of a complaint but i kind of don't like that ultraman finishes off the monster i really liked that the sssp basically like yeah were involved it's... enough that they mostly dealt with the problem the Ultraman I mean, just finishes fair, them off yeah he's kind of just just a double tap in this case yeah mm-hmm which I, Which I, I thought crime. was funny in its own way. It's just like, yeah, get the fuck out of here, Beam. <laughs> but like, Ultraman's role was is primarily to to just be like doing rescue this episode. I, I like that truck. a lot. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> he is the science fire truck. Um. Yeah. I if it, if Ultraman got into a fight with this monster as well as everything else that happens in this episode, I think this would be like the platonic ideal of an Ultraman episode. <laughs> it like in terms of just like uh showing what the show is like yeah. just like uh, but you don't have time for everything <laughs> um uh, and and i appreciate that i thought i feel like the show is like yeah better for it in a way yeah i think everything going on in this episode is is so good just like this is uh this is uh the most thunderbirds episode of ultraman yet uh and it was really really good yeah like i mean they made they made a point of like making a science team that so the Ultraman doesn't solve all the problems. So it's good that the show is actually like doing that. 
Yes, mm-hmm. finally. I, I've been a little bummed. Even, like, the last three episodes I liked a lot, and they're more of, like, a role. It, it, this is the first episode where it really feels like, oh, Ultraman is there for further assistance, but, like, the humans deal with this one. Like, they, a lot blows up and starts on fire in the way to them doing that, but they're responsible for taking this thing down. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed how we got a second kaiju back-to-back that is just two dudes in a suit. Yes, oh, it's a really cool design. It's like well. a, it's like a starfish kind of, but also as a yeah, bat, a, star, bat a starfish, starfish with a bat head in where the two hands join. It's um, it's really good. It um, it reminded me of the like the Evangelion angel that splits a little bit. Oh, and also nothing. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh hey we'll fucking talk about that when i talk about the director of the next two episodes okay okay uh oh man um yeah um i th- i uh, i thought that those just like the stuff with um ide firing uh like the rapid the rapid cuts between like the order for the firing the missiles and then ide hitting the lever and the missiles firing just 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 very just like cool stuff mm-hmm. uh like the, the sssp is just a they're they're cool they have cool they have a, a cool jet and it does cool things that's that's all that's all they need yes uh i also enjoy quite a bit from this episode um the the there's this idea that the ki- the real reason the kaiju is the problem isn't because it's a big monster going around and like destroying things well even though that is a problem the greater issue is that it is a bomb like it itself is a bomb and i liked having that secondary element Mm -hmm. of danger to it too um it feels like we're starting to get these uh and this is ironic because this is the first this is the last one we're seeing from that first batch right yeah um yeah this feels like one where they're they're going okay we can't just have like a monster rampaging being the big threat every single time we we need to think of new ways to raise the stakes as well. Uh, and I like that a lot. Uh, interesting trivia that we mentioned in a previous week. This was... I not. I don't think it was going to obviously be like this from the get-go, but like this is based off of like a plan for an, an, a cut Ultra episode. Oh, interesting. Um, well, yeah, because uh, we, like, we did mention before that there was an episode called Oil SOS... That was going to be an ultra. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. And this, we got this instead. I don't know how different the episode would have been. Uh, I assume there would be no SSP Ultraman or Ultraman. Shoot it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't know what Jun and Ipe would have done. Uh, oh, they'd be dropping the oil barrels. You know what? That they would be doing that. Ipe would have fired the. For some reason, yes. they would. They trusted Ipe with the rocket launcher that one time. Logically, they would trust him with the fighter jet as well. Uh, and he would have been the one who did, who did the bad shot. <laughs> Jun, Jun's the one yelling at him that he shot too soon, just like in the Pegula episode. <laughs> yeah. With the fucking, no, we have Nobody no listens to me, says Jun. Uh... The, the funnier thing is that like the kaiju for the episode was going to be the kaiju that became Boston. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Hmm. I, I know nothing Bostang, else about like what Bost, Bostang not as cool not as cool as this one. Bostang is extremely bottom tier ultra cute monster. <laughs> he I don't think he was very high for me. Um, yeah, the, the this total was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah. Not sorry, honestly. <laughs> love that little walrus man. Don't know why he's up there, but love him. He's actually. He's a, yeah, I think you'd find he's actually a big walrus man. <laughs> True. <laughs> Up there watching over us. <laughs> Just like Subaraya. <laughs> it's, it's him and Tartle chilling in heaven. Uh, open up to the pearly gates. Oh, how is it here? Uh, you know, it's pretty nice, but why is the walrus here? <laughs> the walrus oh, was Christian, too. Damn. Um. Yeah, uh, on the production side of things, all I have is that this was a Hajime Tsuburaya episode. Uh, he makes good episodes okay. of these shows. Yeah. Can't wait till he, he does makes it, he uh, good shows. Yeah. yeah. He's the, you know, the the king is dead, long live the king, it will happen. Um, it's, you know, I I know this deeply, being British. Uh, say the line, say the line right. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna. They they have they have they have snipers trained on my house. Uh, they want to make me say the line. If I have to say it, I will try to say it in like a weird, like Lelouch menacing way. Um, that's the best I can do. Uh, was um, who was the writer for this episode? Uh, I did not grab that, unfortunately. Uh, okay, just whatever. We can edit this out in post. Yeah. Beyond the future. Um, Shozo Uehara. Cool. He's the writer. I don't know if we've talked about them before. I'll be honest, it's hard keeping track of everyone who's worked on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if that's a pen name. Uh, so it might be a pen <laughs> name. It's very, very realistic for the sh- these shows. Uh, he seems like he's on Ranger Wiki. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, cool. Shows it Uh, if that's everything we have, we can get on to episode fourteen, the Pearl Defense Directive. Yeah, I, I, so okay, so I, I will say. That last episode, I think, is probably my favorite of all of the Ultraman stuff we've seen so far. It's cool. I liked it a it's lot. It's a really cool episode. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm, so this this next episode, now, I enjoyed on the level of, like, stupid TV. <laughs> um, so this episode, yeah. uh, Fuji and Ide uh, are out shopping, and Fuji dra- drags him around a jewelry shop. Uh, Ide points out she can't afford any of this stuff on their SSSP salary. Uh, pearls especially are more and more expensive because the oysters are disappearing. Fuji thinks it must be because of a monster, and Ide thinks that's fucking stupid. Um, Fuji was right. Ide was wrong. There's a pearl-eating monster that's been eating oysters, and the SSSP are going to fight it. Um, Fuji wants revenge against this monster for eating such pretty pearls. It is a woman's revenge. <laughs> the squad launched the VTOL as well as other uh, another jet piloted by Hayata. Uh, they attack the monster with their new special effect. This is the first episode of the new batch. Uh, they have ditched the launchable missiles from the ends of the wings and just gone with, let's just put flashing lights on there and we'll just flash the lights and then we'll have the exploding effects happen on the monster. It's fine. Uh, uh, they, I'm being kind of broad here. 
Uh, they snare it in a net uh, carried between the two jets, uh, but it struggles its way loose and causes Hayata to crash. Uh, the squad chases the kaiju as it heads to a beach with a bunch of women on it. <laughs> it's after their pearls. <laughs> listen, listen, women be wearing jewelry. Uh, the women flee and Fuji finds uh, Hayata, uh, who asks her to go get the jet or something. Um, uh, she reports to Muramatsu and he's like, of course, we should launch the monster into space with the rocket. And I'm like, what? I... <laughs> So the squad attach a rocket to the VTOL and launch it up the monster's ass and propels it into the fucking sky. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the most amazing moment in television. About uh, uh, to be, only to be, only be uh, topped by the next moment of television. Yes, Hayata turns into Ultraman and Iron Man's it, collides with the monster and it fucking explodes. <laughs> Ultraman flies away, problem solved. Now that pearls are in abundance, even someone on Fuji's salary is able to afford them. Ide says something about pearls before swine, and Fuji makes him carry loads of boxes of shopping for her. Uh, women, am I right? The end. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, Remember when we were complaining about Fuji not getting enough to do in the show, and the then we have... Monkey's fault. Monkey's fault. Remember, when yeah. we were, remember when we were annoyed that she would be only paired up with Hoshino? Well... Yeah. Uh, now speaking she's which, paired up with E-Day. Speaking of which, uh, where the fuck is Hoshino? Yeah, he hasn't been around. He's not in the next episode just, either, which is like, you know... He just we'll get fucked off. He was just done. You know, I, I, he was I just it. like, nah, you know what? I'm a kid. I'm busy. Um, I've got... He's, he's busy becoming a master alpinist. Yes. He wasn't even he in. <laughs> he wasn't in. He wasn't in oh shit, that's teeth. right. He fa- he found he found out about it and was like, "Oh, that sounds cool." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go to the actual Alps. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. Yeah. So the all the all of the, the the Fuji stuff like she's she cares about this because it's a it, pearls are at stake is like uh, such dumb stupid <laughs> sexism that it's like I funny. <laughs> it's um. It's, it's like. It is so level... cartoonishly shallow. <laughs> that yeah. It is so cartoonish. Yeah, it is so cartoonishly shallow that it loops back around to like I'm watching this episode, losing my mind and laughing. Um, I feel like this is a good time for me to uh state that uh I. So I watched all three of these episodes with my girlfriend last night. Um, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Thursday, she texted me asking if I wanted to hang out on Saturday night uh, and that she bought some edibles. Okay. I watched... Okay, so... <laughs> you hung out and watched this episode, hi. Yes. Um, nice. This monster... The noises this monster makes disturbed me greatly in the moment. Like I don't I I, just I could this, reckon this, this monster is like a fucking goofy ass looking platypus motherfucker. Yes. So, and yeah, I don't so, know why but I was very nervous when it was on screen and when it was making noises I and I think I said in the moment it sounds like a bear. I don't think it actually I don't think it actually sounds like a bear but for whatever so, reason <laughs> to de- to describe this kaiju it is 
like I said, it's like it's like a platypus is a lizard, and also it's got a tongue like an anteater that sucks up pearls, um, and it's weird. I do not like it. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> the I the saw... noise it makes when it was crunching, and like there's that there's that fucking scene where they're all around the campfire in the middle of the night and they just hear the crunching of the pearls and I don't know why but this was very distressing to me. <laughs> it was it was a interesting tone piece that's for sure for that. Mm. Uh I it's, will um oh, go ahead. Uh I will say when they do the plan to drop the pearl bombs uh one I was like damn this is the second episode in a row they're doing this plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and two uh, when the pearls explode, I'm like, oh, I know the strategy. This is what I did uh, when I faced the final boss in Pikmin 1. Why <laughs> <laughs> the yellow Pikmin with the bomb rocks? Uh, of course, yes. Uh, it's exactly they, like it's that. A, the, the, because of the, the scaling thing, um, when they set off the pearl bomb and the pearls are like clearly the size of like people or something, <laughs> that is like huge pearls compared to this giant monster. Um, ridiculous. Uh, but, um, I think I, the moment I lost it and was when the monster went over to a beach where there was some, where there were just some women because naturally they had pearls with them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, I'm, I'm drawing. Okay. I'm, (laughs) I'm just realizing with the research, about who directed this episode, there are some things I'm starting to realize that are kind of funny, but also kind of fucked up. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Tell us. Um, so episode 14 and 15 were directed by a very important uh, man, uh, Akio Jisoji. Okay. This person has done fucking everything. Their Japanese Wikipedia article is extremely long. Everyone in the industry at this point in time seems to have some anecdote that is collected on there. I encourage you to go read it. Uh, Also has a much shorter English Wikipedia page. Um, I had to pick and choose uh, stuff that was relevant for uh, for our needs. Um... So he was a director, screenwriter, novelist. I also think he was involved with manga to some degree or another. A very large body of work across many different mediums. Uh, The work he seems to be most known for outside of Japan uh, is very emblematic of his work as a whole because it's his contribution to the Ultra series across various forms. Uh, I believe he did the first Ultra Q movie that we will watch at some point. Let's go! Um... The other thing he is known for is his auteur erotic art house Buddhist movie trilogy. Uh, what? Mu- yes. <laughs> uh, Mujo, Mandala, and Uta. Um, and this is very representative of something that uh, was even commented on at the time for being kind of bizarre, but he often jumped back and forth with no in-between between working on children's TV episodes and new wave arthouse movies often erotic with nature, a lot of them focusing on elements of sadomasochism, non-consensual sex, and the abuse of women. Um, uh-huh. As a result, his work is not very well known in the West, uh, but he has uh, quite the reputation in Japan, uh, especially because he has a distinct directorial and visual style that um, people recognized as being a little more, 
identifiable compared to a lot of the other directors doing work at the time. Like, a lot of people could just watch stuff being made by him and go, oh, yeah, that was uh, Jisoji. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the Ultra series, he adapted many works of the Japanese mystery and thriller author uh, Itogawa Ranpo, uh, who is just a, a well-known uh, name in the mystery genre, uh, frequently paid homage to in modern Japanese mystery stories. Um, notably, in our neck of the woods, uh, people would probably recognize references to a work uh, in the form of Akechi Goro in Persona 5 is just a straight-up reference to his detective character, who stars in many of his oh, mysteries, yeah. uh, Akechi Kogoro. Um, there is also a dog in Lost Judgment named Ronpo uh, in tribute to the author. Um... He, so aside from the Ultra stuff, his weird erotic stuff, and then the, uh, the mystery adaptations from that author, uh, he is also very well known and celebrated for, uh, directing a movie that I've actually known about for a little bit here, and I'm very curious about, uh, it was a movie called uh, Tokyo The Last Megalopolis, which is a dark fantasy science fiction tokusatsu film from, I want to say 1988, produced by Toho. Um, it is notable for being one of the most expensive live-action Japanese movies made in all of the 80s. Uh, it cost $8 million in the uh, equivalent U.S. money. Um, for comparison, one of the other big Toho movies made around the same time, The Return of Godzilla, only cost $6.25 million. Um, this was an adaptation of the uh, Taito Monogatari series of books, which is an award-winning historical fantasy novel series that popularized uh, popularized a lot of weird fiction and urban fantasy tropes uh, especially pertaining to japanese folklore and mythology um the movie was a massive uh, success both critically and commercially a lot of japanese art from the late 80s and early 90s has direct references and callbacks to it um the producer responsible for this movie would ride the financial success for this movie into creating uh, other horror movie hits such as Juan and Ring, kickstarting the J horror oh. boom of the '90s and 2000s, and also indirectly being responsible for my screen name. Uh, <laughs> okay. The villain of the movie Yasunori Kado uh, was uh, directly like lifted again. This was an adaptation of uh, part of that book series. Um, he became a pop culture icon. Uh, actor Kiyosaku Shimada's performance in the role remains one of the most beloved portrayals of the character. Um, and this specific performance would inspire a lot of characters in the uh, years following, including M. Bison from Street Fighter and Raido Kuzanoa from Megami Tensei. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> um, and then... Uh, oh geez, we, there's a lot on this guy. Uh, our friend Hideaki Anno is in the mix here. Um, Hideaki Anno's live action visual style takes heavy inspiration from Jisoji. Uh, the love was mutual as Jisoji was a large collection of, uh, character figures, including many Evangelion figures. Uh, in the recently released Shin Kamen Rider, Anno included a tribute to the late Jisoji by including a specific configuration of the fourth generation of Honda Accord, uh, which Jisoji oh had God. a particular fondness for. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so, in terms of Ultra stuff, he wrote two episodes of Ultra Q that were not completed and were just left in the back burner. 
Um, more importantly, however, he directed a contemporary TV documentary called The Father of Ultra Q. That is a thing that does not have subtitles, but I might try and look into seeing if we can get subtitles for it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, it is just on archive.org, because I, yeah, I looked into this it, too. Yeah, it is. It, only the raw exists, but... Uh... Mm-hmm. Uh, this aired between the episodes Metamorphosis and Fury of the South Sea. Uh, it is primarily an interview with A.G. Subaraya that focuses on the special effects work on the show, but then also, I guess, foregrounds his faith a little bit, too. Um, and as we have discussed, does not have subtitles. Uh, so technically, that was his first Ultra series contribution, was that TV documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of his work on Ultraman, he was noticeable for having some distinct style elements that um, set him apart from his contemporaries. One, he did not like to have Ultraman defeat the enemy with the Spacium Beam. He thought it was too easy of a solution, which honestly, I kind of respect. Yeah. Um... He did not mind cutting out or shortening hard-to-make special effect shots if it made the story flow better, which set him apart from many of the other directors working on Ultra Series stuff at the time. Uh, he felt that the story had higher importance than visual effects did, and he, he didn't feel the need to put in camera shots or, or long lingering shots of just monsters walking around or doing stuff. Uh, this resulted in him butting heads a lot of the time with the visual effects staff who wanted their work to be highlighted. Uh, and he went, no, we're making stories. We're not, this isn't just a showcase for visual yeah, effects. Yeah, we got, we got to tell the people that women be shopping. <laughs> also, um, also, also, bro, I'm sorry. This is a show for special effects. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I do kind of agree with you, also... Every episode of Ultraman does open by saying, a special effects show. <laughs> yes, I, I do feel that there is an important balance to be struck there. Um, and then also, uh, as we will discover in the next episode he directed, uh, which is the third one we're going to be talking about, his episodes often deal with the pros and cons of defeating a monster just for the sake of human convenience. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, but yeah, that... <sighs> That elongated sequence of the women at the beach fleeing in terror uh, hits a little bit different knowing the rest of his uh, work, <laughs> especially oh, in the art yes. house erotic space. Yes. Um, um, hmm. I will the... say... Okay, go ahead. I will say uh, we will hear more about this guy in the future. Okay. Nice. Uh, I will also say the only other thing is that when Ultraman defeats this thing by colliding with it in midair, I gasped audibly and my uh, girlfriend laughed at me. I let out, <laughs> I let out a really big laugh uh, for that entire section, but especially when it exploded. Uh, I the so the thing about this episode is uh, we, we've kind of brushed over some of the cool stuff because you know the, the, there's a the lot happening is, here. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a lot happening here, and like there is cool shit happening. Like the 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 campfire scenes are, like you said, really creepy and uh weird. Like just like hearing the noise of the uh of the kaiju like chowing down on on pearls is like it's weird and um okay. I'm happy this wasn't just me being high. <laughs> yeah, I mean definitely definitely was unsettling and weird and intense. Um, and, th yeah, I, I liked, 
I like the the cooperation between the uh, the team uh, to uh, fight the monster. Um, I the, the the two jet plan with the with the net uh, seems very irresponsible, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, was very cool. Uh, yeah. Tell me no I, taking notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really have any anything else about this episode beyond uh, man, women do be shopping. Yeah, women do be buying pearls. Yeah. Yeah. I I I liked this episode, but oh god, the everything involving Fuji is continues. This show continues to continually do her a disservice, and uh, it makes me sad. Yeah. I. Uh. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't think I care for much for this episode at all. Uh. <laughs> I, I. Yeah. I just didn't care for it. Uh, I did extremely like everything to do with the rocket exploding kaiju, but otherwise. Yes. Uh. uh that that was amazing. Uh. Well, um, on that note, uh, we can continue on uh, to uh, episode 15, which, uh, is it called Terrifying Cosmic Rays? I think so. Yeah, that sounds about my right. Sub, my, my, sub, my sub said something about uh, terrifying space rays or something. Anyway, a bunch of kids show off drawings of kaiju, but one stands out. Mushiba's drawing of uh, Gabadon. Also, also the drawing of Beethoven. Yeah, there is a drawing of one of the kids has drawn Beethoven, or or either that, or there was just a drawing of Beethoven on the wall. Um, Mushiba's drawing of Gavadon, an unthreatening-looking white tadpole type of thing. Uh, everyone laughs at him, and in his frustration, he draws Gavadon again on a pipe on a construction site. Uh, the squad gets a call from the Space Ray Research Center. There's some funny-looking space rays on the way. Stand by for weird shit. Uh, the space rays turn Mushiba's drawing of Gabadon into a real, actual kaiju. Uh, it mostly just crawls around looking cute, though. Uh, the kids are losing their minds. This is the coolest thing that has ever happened. Same. Uh, and the squad, yeah, the squad are a little alarmed and keep tabs on the creature until, at the end of the day, it crawls into the sunset and literally just vanishes. Um, I gasped once again. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do remember being it blown cool. away it could it could just like disappear like that it was it was cool uh the squad realizes the reason it vanished it is created by the cosmic rays and will disappear when the sun disappears at sunset um ide points out that if you leave this kaiju alone it just sleeps in order to reduce casualties the squad decides to simply observe gabadon excuse me observe gabadon until it disappears at sunset uh, overnight, uh, the kids all gather at the pipe and decide to draw Gabadon again. Uh, this time, coloring him in so he looks a little more exciting. Uh, the next morning, Gabadon appears, complete with a new garish color scheme. Uh, as planned, the squad observes and doesn't bother Gabadon. Uh, Gabadon has the city as his playground, and what does he do? He sleeps. He sleeps in the streets, only waking up to move to different, more comfortable streets to sleep. Uh, King. Sunset comes. <laughs> Sunset comes. Uh, Gabadon disappears, and everyone involved. Uh, well, sorry, hang on. Uh, Gabadon disappears, and Muramatsu says, uh, "Well, that sucked and ruined the logistics of Tokyo. So while some innocents will have to die, <laughs> it's time we fought Gabadon properly." Ide has a better idea. Gabadon is born from a drawing, so all they have to do is erase the drawing before the sun rises. Uh, now. 
If you haven't watched the episode, I want you to understand what I'm about to say is not a joke. Arashi and Muromatsu think Ide's plan sounds really boring and think it would be cooler to have a fair fight with Gabadon. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the kids are having similar feelings. They think it sucks that all Gabadon does is sleep all day. So this time, while drawing him, they give him words of encouragement. Do your best, Gabadon. Oh, man. The sun rises and Gabadon finds a nice spot to sleep. I love him. Uh, the SSSP rolls up with the with the JSDF uh, with like tanks and they initiate an all-out assault on Gabadon, which is rude, very rude. As Gabadon runs away, the squad spots the kids on a bridge, yelling at the tanks to stop hurting Gabadon. Uh, Hayata chases the kids, but has the weakest tumble so far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he, he's uh, uh, more like unbalanced man, am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> unbalanced. Um, he just kind of stumbles into some water and is like, "Oh, oh no, I've fallen over and I can't get up." And then goes Ultraman mode. Um, <laughs> the uh, he transforms and fights Gabadon while children beg him to stop. Amazing, um, absolutely unhinged show. Uh, anyway, he carries Gabadon into space. Late at night, the kids throw rocks into a river, and Ultraman's voice reaches out to them from space. Don't worry, every year on the 7th of July, uh, you will be able to see Gabadon again in the stars. And the 7th of July is a Tanabata star festival thing um, it's, it's related to stars. Um, a Gabadon constellation sheds a tear. It's daytime. Kids draw monsters all over the ground at a park, and Muromatsu looks horrified. As the narrator tells us, it is the right of children to draw monsters. The end. Uh, the the dumb, wow, cool monster part of uh, Razen thought this was the best episode. This, this is a this is a good episode. I think. Yeah, this is this is a good episode. I've I've settled in I've settled into my opinion as I read it. This Hell is yeah. a Kanagon is... tier episode, which is funny because they both mentioned Kanagon <laughs> is here, and also Hoshino is not here for some reason. Yeah, yeah, the, they they got a bunch of kids. They didn't get Hoshino. I the it's weird, um, but uh, I guess Hoshino just isn't in this show anymore. Uh, the various iterations of Gabadon, uh, they're all great. I every single time him just like when they egg him on, when they cheer him on to be like, oh yeah, do your best, Gabadon. You you, you know, uh, doing the fucking what's the 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 Digimon Adventure O two bit uh from the English dub, the um, uh, you can do it, and even if you can't, we won't think any less of you, man. <laughs> you, got lot, you got you got a lot of nice friends there, Davis. Um, that was it's like that uh, for Gabadon, and um, then Gabadon waking up in the morning, um, appearing and just immediately walking over to a spot and just like sweeping it a little bit and then settling down to sleep. What a what a good kaiju. The just the first form is so goddamn adorable. I love it yeah. so much. I, I my opinion is that it's really cute, but also in some ways unsettling, as you might expect like a flat drawing to be. Like cause it it, yes. it has like empty eye sockets kind of. Uh and it's just like It yeah. stares at you like a like a fish creature. Yeah, like 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 you expected would. Like it's that's ob- it's like a cute drawing, but if that thing was like three D, it'd look kind of fucked up. And they do carry that, like it's cute, but unsettling. 
Uh, I also really mm-hmm. like the effect when, like, the second form of Gabadon was, like, being, like, coming to life. And just, like, the way yeah, it was, like... it's, like, bulging it, out. Yeah, it's bulging from the, uh, the pipe. Um, and it, like, a, the, it, yeah, the heartbeat kicks in, and it it's just, yeah, it's cool. It's a very cool effect. Yeah, um, right. I had forgotten to mention it. The fact that it ha- the, the second form has, like, human teeth, too... Oh yeah, really freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> it looks so unnatural in like a cool way. Uh, Muramatsu at his most evil this episode. Yeah, I just like <laughs> absolutely. Uh, taking the uh, the pandemic isn't actually over approach to things. Uh, where it's like, well, some people will have to die, but the economy, you know. Yeah. If I if I. <laughs> If I had to make Shin Ultraman, I would have included this as, like, a moment of, like, well, we need to justify the oh SSSP's budget somehow. Uh, <laughs> and then the, uh, just Ida being like, we could just do this peacefully. We could just make sure there are no casualties. Uh, and then Arashi and Monokasu are like, nah, that's stupid. It, and then the kids, and, and then the next, immediate next scene is the kids also going, yeah, it's cooler when the monster does fight and cause destruction, to be honest. Yeah, it is. It's it so is. Fun. They're like <laughs> ripped you guys, but it is cooler when you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Oh man, I yeah, just them shaking hands across the aisle <laughs> on this <laughs> on this issue this is so good. Um, the the fucking so the thing thing that didn't make it into the summary was the incredible <laughs> moment where I was like, oh my god, <laughs> was um uh E-Day just being like well Gabadon only appears in the morning when the day rises uh and Fuji's like yeah we know that and he's just like shut up <laughs> so <laughs> yes that does happen he's just, he's just like I just be quiet I was like Fuji know your place <laughs> yeah she's she's apparently um... supposed to be making coffee for the captain apparently yeah 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 that's yeah that's what she should do that's what that's her job um, that's all she does. And sketches monsters, apparently. Or retrieves sketches of monsters. I don't know if she's actually that involved. She was not very involved in the revenge against the pearl-eating monster. I, now that I think about it, she was not very involved. No. She, she did go find Hayata and then have to go back to make sure Hayata could become Ultraman. Uh, this is true. I suppose that's the most that anyone can do in Ultraman. Um, other than when the science control is is wrecking house, like when you throw a rocket, uh, uh, throw a rocket at a monster and explodes, that's pretty helpful. That is pretty helpful. Um, that's that's all. So far, Muramatsu two for two on throwing, uh, like a grenade or a rock at a monster and it just fucking dying. Yeah, this is true. I guess that's why he's the captain. Yeah, it's like a, um, it's like a when you get uh i was supposed to make an ibo reference but i'm not gonna do that <laughs> uh. okay <laughs> um the I, I i feel like we haven't seen his pipe in a while um but yeah i this this episode's got the got the, it's got the, it's it's another it's another kid episode it's another episode with the kids which means it's it's just a fun goofy time i'm yeah. so um, i'm so confused I, they made literally got a kid character as a main part of the cast and, and they just they just yeah he's gone he's just not in the show i wonder if there's like scheduling conflicts or you know limitations with how often like maybe not like in the 
late 60s, but I, I wonder if there's some sort of restrictions on, like, child actors that means he can't be around all the time, or, or what the deal is. Mm, it's possible. Um, it's, you know, uh, I I like to imagine he just got bored and ran off. <laughs> uh, he's, just, he's just having his own adventures. He's waiting for his spin-off that's never going to happen. He's one of the Ultra Seven. Yeah, that's that's it. He, he was he's uh, there's it's it's his presence in like the first few episodes of this show is just foreshadowing for Ultra uh, Seven. Apparently, we go. apparently Hoshino's actor played Saburo in Ultra Q, the kid the kid from uh the bird episode. Oh, oh perfect. That, okay. So that's why the SSSP picked him up. Yes. They're like, he has, he has dealt with this before. Yeah. yeah. They're like, well, oh, man. Damn, I thought Yuriko had dealt with this before, but apparently not. No. Rip. <laughs> Yuriko is so much cooler than Fuji. What happened? What happened between yeah. these two shows? What was, what's going on? It's weird. Anyway, it, it's uh-huh. like shocking how pronounced the difference is, honestly. <laughs> Like they regressed yeah. hardcore from where they were at with with how they treated their their like woman lead. It's bad. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, do we have any? Oh, did you you we've you already talked about the. It was just Soji again. Say it's the yes yeah, same guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he did a did a good job. This this episode's good. Um, I've like liked the... all six. Uh, like horrific sexism aside, I've liked all six of the last few episodes. <laughs> we've seen a lot. Me watching Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I'm liking Ultraman. Yeah, it's a good show. It's good. We are, I guess, like a, over a third of the way through now. Yeah, something like that. It's 39, uh, right? This, it's, yeah, 39. yeah, we're into the second. Oh, n- it's also worth mentioning now that we're into the second batch. The Ultraman mask helmet looks so much better now. It doesn't look like it's been crinkled and left in someone's closet for a week before they put it on. Yeah, I, I, I feel it's... like I didn't notice it as much just because I feel like Ultraman just wasn't in the episodes as much this week. But, like, mm-hmm. it is noticeably better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, every, every, everything got uh, a little update, a little upgrade. Um, although, I don't know that getting rid of the launchable missiles from the VTOL is an upgrade. Uh, but I can see why it's much easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if the kaiju to... are more impressive or stuff, then sure. Yeah, it's you know a lateral upgrade. Uh, cool. Well, I don't have much else to, to say about this episode. Uh, so, uh, unless anyone has anything else. Nope. No. I am. I am gonna go into plugs. Oh, we gotta do the, if oh, you we wanna... gotta do the timing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Give us the timers. Uh, episode thirteen, two minutes. This okay. seems about right. Episode fourteen, a minute and four seconds. Damn. Yeah, he um, got it done quick. Yeah. Uh, episode fifteen, a minute fifty-eight seconds. Uh, all of them uh, with crying children. <laughs> 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 Oh man. 
it's this show is so unhinged it's so good yeah <laughs> i love how evil ultraman is i've come right back around i'm like i can't wait for him to murder canagon in the most <laughs> brutal way possible um possibly by just flying into him yeah, <laughs> it, it is, it is funny that like, canagon was mentioned in this episode as a kaiju yeah 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 kind of, kind of it, it, it's funny like oh yeah the kaiju canagon and not oh uh the canagon that happened to a guy i know <laughs> Yeah, I hope that when Canagon comes back, uh, he's still got the Yen counter. I hope they haven't got rid of that. It's a, an essential part of Canagon's uh, makeup. Um, cool. Well, uh, if you want to follow the show, uh, we'll get into plugs. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at ultra underscore Q. That is at ultra underscore Q U E U E. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at gender underscore redacted. Uh, if you want to follow me on co-host, I'm at November. I'm I will post about uh, Command and Conquer eventually, but uh, I've been very preoccupied this week. <laughs> um, Mel, Mel. Okay. Uh, my sometimes Twitter is at Dear Crowns. Uh, I have a Twitch Cosmic underscore Crown. Uh, if you want to email us, you can do it at ultraqpod uh, at gmail dot com. Please do. Uh, yeah, please do. And uh, Rosin. Yeah, I'm at Rosinbrand on Twitter, and also you can find me at my YouTube channel, Rosinbrand. Uh, that's all I got this week. Uh, sick. Well, um, next week uh, we are covering episodes, what is it, uh, 16, uh, 17, and 18? That sounds alright. Um... Of Ultraman, not Ultra Q. Ultraman. <laughs> you did it right this time. I, re- I, re- I, rem- I remember this week. <laughs> um, God damn. Uh, listening to that back, I was just like, what are you doing? What are you, mate? Come on. Twice in a um, row. Get your act together. Twice in a row. Um, all right, well, we will see you next time. Uh, bye for now. Goodbye. Goodbye.